good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me as ever from across the pond, he's a man who just always got an open invitation to hang out with me. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Matt. You know, uh, thanks for the invite. No, no, thank you. I had to try. I was trying to get the words out as I was saying it, and I'm thinking, what am I trying to say? I knew what I was trying to say. Uh, John always has an open invitation for me. What a great man he is. How are you doing, my friend? You keeping Florida safe and well? Uh, we're doing what we can here. It's been a super rainy week this week. Um, lots of lightning and thunder. Uh, I got stuck in the rain yesterday because I ventured out uh, to my local big big box store because uh, a video game came out that I don't always I haven't been buying physical video games for a while mm-hmm. either but um the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection came out oh yes uh so it's all 13 of like the old arcade games Nintendo games even like three of the Game Boy games and um my friend uh my editor at Burke Reviews David and I big big time Ninja Turtle fans for a long time but we we both decided to get it on the Switch um, because it just feels like it's a good that type of system game, you know. It's just arcade button smashing. Um, so I went, I went out to Walmart, and while there, I uh, bought that. And as I'm standing to pay, I hear the uh, the rain sh- like break through the clouds, like it's just torrential downpour. So I got a little soaked on my way back to the the vehicle to get home. Um, but but you it, was, it was worth it. I did get the game. I did. Yeah. Uh, man, I've been going to bed earlier and earlier i don't know if it's like age 40 it's just like okay bedtime early get up early but um like last night i, I got a migraine too uh, like 7 30 oh, i was no, gonna no. watch i had a couple screeners i wanted to watch and then i just a headache hit so i was i went to sleep at like 9 30 um but then i woke up at two and i was like awake where like it wasn't going back to bed so i had to like i used one of those uh guided meditation sleep apps um to try to like lull me back to sleep it took an hour but i finally did get back to sleep at like three o'clock um while waiting uh, i was using my earbuds and i you can't really like lay down comfortably with earbuds in um because you have to keep your head like perfectly still right because if like it nudges so i while waiting to fall asleep i ended up on amazon and i ordered this like it it won't be here till tomorrow but it's like a, a headband that has uh bluetooth speakers in like the ear part so That's like you cool. put it over your ears and it's meant for like sleeping or like exercising and yoga. I'm not going to use it to exercise. I'm going to use it to sleep. If I'm having a hard time and I need that guided meditation thing, I'm just going to boom. Um, so try it out, see how it is. Uh, it had, it had like four stars and it was uh, only 16 bucks. So I'm like, Oh, it's not too bad. Can't be the greatest quality, but I don't need great quality while I'm sleeping. I just need something to, like keep the things on my ears while, so I can hear the dude go, it's going to be okay. You can <laughs> yeah. sleep all night now, and I'm like, oh, okay, thank you, guy. Um, you will but, wake you know, up feeling better than ever. It's uh, I'm I'm always a bit of a ball of anxiety because there's just so many things that I'm thinking about, and I'm so afraid of forgetting to do something because I do have yes. I have a lot of plates spinning at all times, and I don't want to miss something important. Um, and you know, the school year is going very well, but that's it does feel like okay what am I going to mess up? So things aren't going so well. So like that, I think that anxiety has just got me like real stressed, but otherwise, um, Matt, how are you, sir? Well, self care is never a bad thing, my friend. And actually, to be fair, uh, I, I, I hear you with the going to sleep earlier. I, I'm a night owl. I do go to sleep late, but I found myself going earlier. Mostly because 
I just love sleep. <laughs> I generally just love the idea of just get, getting, laying in bed and just sleeping. Um, also, that story didn't go the way I thought. I was waiting for you to say, you know, you woke up at two o'clock, couldn't get to sleep, so you just happened to get the switch and play Turtles in Time or something. That's what I was expecting I the story that. to do. But I I'm just sure knew that I had... Appreciate. If I had if I had done that, well, I, I could have gone to the other room or whatever, but I, I know I would be like, I wouldn't make it through the day. Like I knew I needed at least another two hours of sleep because I get up at five normally and it was like oh, two. So yeah. I'm like, he does. it was too late. And it was too late to take like Z-Quil because like that usually lasts about four hours. Not and it, I am often groggy anyway. So I'm like, I can't risk taking Z-Quil and being like unable to get up at five. So uh, yeah, it, it was, I ended up not doing much. I tried to stay off my phone so I wouldn't like wake up more because I was already yeah, pretty yeah. wired. So yeah, I was just like, whatever I can do to fall back asleep is all I want to do. Well, I want that. I remember playing Turtles in Time as a kid. Uh, that was my favourite arcade game. I, I vividly remember the red, blue, orange and purple buttons and the joystick and you choosing which character you want to be and the side scrolling. Oh, man, I remember that game so much. So uh, I remember I remember now it's coming out this year. You've just reminded me. I've seen a few screenshots online of people playing it, but it never it never kind of hit me that, oh, the game's out now until you've just said so. Um, my daughter's got a Switch, so she might be getting a present for me to play on, on the Switch coming soon. Um, but uh, no, no, everything's good here, my friend. Can't uh, argue, complain too much, or at least I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, the pumpkin spice lattes have hit. Update from last week, they have hit. Yes. The UK, the Queen, Her Majesty has allowed us to have PSL once again. So um, having, having you, a few of those, my friends. PSL? I, I'd like to think she does. I mean, I'd love to think that um, she's up there in Buck House in Buckingham Palace, you know, swilling. I, I'd imagine it will be some kind of like pure, refined, you know, proper pumpkin. It wouldn't be in a Starbucks cup. I imagine it'll be in fine china imported from somewhere that isn't the England, but we've colonised it anyway. Um, I hope she does. You know, if she wants to lead by example and continue to be queen, she's got to like PSL. That's coming from the BAMP ourselves. But, um, I like PSL and I've been enjoying that my friend uh busy weekend busy week this week mainly movie based so I'm not going to complain about that either but when it comes to films the BAMP is the only place I want to be to talk films and it actually is because John Burke is my buddy we love talking films and we all hope that you guys like listening to us talking about films and if you if you're new to the show hi welcome we talk about uh, the biggest film of the week or the most interesting release of the week and we give a non-spoiler review or thoughts and opinions on this show. And then on the following Monday, we drop a spoiler review of said film. This week, John, though, we're going to be giving a non-spoiler review of The Invitation. Late, a new gothic horror film directed by Jessica M. Thompson and written by Blair Butler. Alliteration almost got me. And it stars uh, the wonderful Natalie Emmanuel. Thomas Doherty, Stephanie Corneliuson, Alana Bowden, the awesome Sean Pertwee, and Hugh Skinner. The synopsis, again, no spoilers, but we do read the synopsis. A young woman is courted and swept off her feet, only to realise a gothic conspiracy is afoot. <laughs> Sorry, it's not just a conspiracy, yeah. John. It's a gothic conspiracy it's i mean gothic it, conspiracy it's a goth i didn't i hadn't read the, the synopsis so that blindsided me now uh we always give the critic and audience scores for this film and uh for any film and this one's no different 21 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes john 56 percent mm-hmm. audience score 
45 on Metascore, 5.3 IMDb user score, and 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And if you want to watch The Invitation after those glowing reviews, it is only available in theatres currently. Now, looking at those critic reviews and the audience scores, to be fair, this film hasn't been particularly well received. This isn't a case of, oh, the critics are wrong and the audience loves it. No, it seems pretty much across the board that, you know, the film's come out, it's been panned somewhat, and people are quite ready to throw the invitation in the bin and move on. And I, you know, I, I saw the trailer for this and I thought, this could be good. You know, it, this trailer's fine. It wasn't remarkable, but it was decent. I like Natalie Emmanuel. I think she's a, mm-hmm. a good up-and-coming act- actress. And I was trying to think during it, I thought, this the guy in this, um, Thomas Doherty, who plays Walt, who is the lord of the manor uh, of this very lavish mansion, that's Natalie Emmanuel's character, Evie, ends up at. I think, where do I recognise that? I really recognise that guy. Where the, oh, and then, it, it wasn't till afterwards, he's in The Descendants, the Disney films, not the George Clooney one. The, th- the two of the three Descendants films, which my daughter watched ad nauseum over the summer. So I knew I recognised him. So he's he's gone from those horror shows to this one. Um, what did I think is about The Invitation? A, um... Sorry, I, I haven't seen The Descendants because my, my daughter is too old oh, for those. Um, lucky you. Is he one of the like the evil uh, villain's children? Like, yes, that, all of like the character. All, well, the, the main characters, all of them are yeah, villains, children's. And he is one of them. I don't, I don't know whose don't kid he one. is. But, His um, name is I, Harry, but I, that doesn't give me any information, really. <laughs> exactly. He's literally just Harry, but he is one of the major characters from number two onwards, I believe. But it, it, after you see it so much, it, could, it all just blends horribly into one. Uh, I try to forget about it, but alas, even when I go to watch a horror film, I can't get away from it. Um, but yeah, The Invitation, my friend, I wasn't a fan of The Invitation. Uh, I uh, I won't be overly negative. I'll be positive. I think the... I think the production design is decent. I think the costume design is good in this. I think the score is pretty good as well, actually, in this film. It's, it's a it's a visual and audio experience more than anything else. That aside, John, there wasn't really anything I liked about this film. It wasn't thrilling. I don't think the, the screenplay was very good. I don't think the twists that came were very good because if you hadn't seen it coming quite early on, then I don't think you would have been too surprised by the time you got to the end. It's a horror film that is like wholly not horrifying. There's a good jump scare at the beginning. I'll say that the op- the prologue of the film that 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 wow. threatened a good time. I think that was quite because you know you come in, you're kind of thrown into the deep end. Like what's going on here? There's a character who is about to do something, and they do it, and you're like, wow, okay, decent jump scare on there as well. But then it kind of turns into um, Twilight meets Get Out meets crimson peak and mm, uh ready or not yeah 50 shades like ready or not trying to like create combine all those together and it does not do it well i felt so bad for natalie emmanuel who mm-hmm. you know i'm not going to say she comes out of this shining but you know she's trying here she's really trying in amongst the overacting of everybody else and the way this film kind of culminates into again without any spoilers almost like a martial arts film by the end it really yeah. is a mess. It really is. It's a it's a mess. It's tonally indifferent to I think what it's trying to be. One of the the only other bright spark is Sean Pertwee as the butler. 
I think he knew exactly what film he was in and he bought his usual kind of his presence and um, his no nonsense British acting. He was still reminded me of the guy from the character from Dog Soldiers he played. But yeah, there's there, there's not really much else to say about the invitation. And I know that sounds really vague. A lot of it will come in the spoilers because a lot yeah. of the, even the non-spoiler stuff really does play into the spoilers. I think the characterization of Evie, I think she just at a few times she just forgets. I think the screenwriters forgot the character yep. that they'd written. 100% just, agree with yeah, that. Yeah, just totally changed her character up. But um, yeah, there's good. The inspirations here are have good intentions. It is a B movie. It certainly has those sensibilities, but it's a soulless one. It, and it really is soulless. It's, no, it's a film which I think could have been a lot better if they'd gone down the kind of Crimson Peak route a little bit more. And I'm not saying that's a mm-hmm. you know, masterpiece by any means, but I, I like the film. But I just think this is a, it's a throwaway film. It, it, I don't know. I'm not going to say the passion wasn't there, but it's a visual experience more than anything. I'm never going to watch this again. And I hope the actors no. involved, especially Natalie Emmanuel, can rid themselves of this and go on to bigger and better things. But um, I mean, I could say a lot more, but I want to hear what you have to say, JB, and if there's any kind of any argument to that. So uh, we're recording two days later than usual this week, and. Uh, that means it's been almost a full week since I like literally almost to the the minute that, since I saw this movie, and I considered like maybe I should try to go watch it again so that it's fresh in my mind. And I was like, no, no, because of all the movies we've reviewed on this podcast, and we used to do four episodes or four movies an episode, but those were we monthly did. episodes when we first started. But still, I don't know that I've ever been so tempted to walk out on a movie. I was wow. so bored. I, I was losing it in the theater because one, like you said, the characterization drove me nuts because one second she is like strong willed and like, you know, working class. And she like looks at the, the maids and the servants and she kind of is like, you're, you're my people, not these other people. And then minutes later, she like forgets that whole attitude. And then it comes <laughs> and it's not the performance. It's the writing it's written into the character. Yes. I think the actors are doing what they can. The material's bad. And, um, but it's also bland, and that's what makes it worse. Like, Fifty Shades is bad, but there's stuff there to, like, bring the audience, right? There are, Some people went to see Fifty Shades solely for the, the S&M stuff, even if it's misportrayed. But that was, like, they were like, ooh, scandalous. This movie's PG-13, so, like, the sexuality that they try to lean into doesn't do anything. So there's literally nothing in this movie. I will say, Thomas yeah. Doherty's unnaturally good-looking. That dude doesn't oh, yeah, seem yeah. real like Perfect i'm looking at his face gray, like uh, a charming lord yes he would have probably been better in the 50 shades movies than what, what's it, jamie doherty is that, uh, jamie is that Gordon, who again has gone on to do yeah. much better things yes same I, I again but this guy they they looked at him and they were like you know what we don't have to write any actual substance because people will just like him and that's enough because yeah. th- there's no reason to believe any of the romantic elements of this film. Like everything about this felt underbaked, and the the twist is in the trailer. Like we're we're being very generous, assuming you haven't seen the trailer by not <laughs> yeah. talking about it, because we could just discuss that. And that's what even that part, which I'll get into more in spoilers. But what they tried to do is something that I have nitpicked through other movies that have tried to do similar things with this stuff, and it drives me crazy because. I, I'm all for 
creativity and taking some liberties with with fictional property yes but there has to be a point to it and there's not in this it's literally just trappings thrown onto a movie to like hey what if 50 shades but this and or what if 50 shades plus ready or not and this and it's like no it no stop it's it do something interesting this movie drags the actual interesting stuff that they hint at in the opening of the movie doesn't come back until like three quarters of the way through it. And it is a, it's two hours, I think, right? Like I'm pretty sure it was two hours. Pretty much. Yeah. It's too long. <laughs> I, too long. I legitimately debated if I'd seen enough a few times to like, just, I can talk about this without finishing it. And I stuck it out, but man, it was hard. Um, And this movie has the balls to have a stinger. Like yes. it's not technically a post credits, but they are definitely thinking they're setting up a franchise. I'm like, w- are you kidding me? They definitely no. reshot a scene for the ending. Yes, and oh man, I was that that actually made me more max. I'm like, no, 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 do not threaten me with a second movie because this is bullcrap. Like we've already did kissing booth, kissing booth two. We skipped the third one. We will oh. not. I refuse to review the invitation to or oh. the invitation colon whatever garbage they RSPP come up with RSPP again or something. Yeah, they yeah. call it something stupid. Yeah, RSPP from hell. That's what it like. Yeah. Something like <laughs> you know what? I might watch that one if that's what if it's on Netflix and it sounds that like they because like you said, this is a B movie, but none of the good parts of B movies are in this right. Like B movies, you're supposed to. It's so bad that it's entertaining. It's so bad. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. There's a campiness as well sometimes. Like your words, man, it's soulless and it it is torture. I have seen some people who've clicked with this. I actually think I had, I think six or seven other people in the theater with me for this, which is a lot for this movie. Cause I went early on a Thursday, like oh, opening screening kind of thing. And, uh, they didn't seem to hate it. They definitely didn't seem like they were enjoying it necessarily, but they def I was like squirming in my seat, ready to go. Like I wanted it to end cause it felt like especially because there were moments where i'm like okay i can kind of feel what evie's doing and then evie would just be like different character i'm like no so yeah uh bad movie bad movie i wish i hadn't seen it um you know we probably should have just reviewed samaritan uh, off of amazon and it probably would have been better off in the long run but or uh i I also got to see a movie we'll talk about in a little bit um three thousand years of longing yes which was not out yet for you uh, it's out. Um, I think it's actually out tonight. Now, yeah, yeah, it's tomorrow, out this yeah. weekend. Um, I I like that movie. Um, uh, some people aren't. I totally understand why some people didn't. It, it clicked for me overall. Um, I've enjoyed both of Idris's movies from August. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I'm on that. I'm on that boat. But um, yeah, invitation guys. Uh, Matt and I are clearly saying, stay away, stay yeah. away if you can. Stay away, don't, or as the Lord of the Manor would say, don't open this invitation with his yeah. very over-the-top British accent. Um, this, we we thought this was an invitation. It turned out to be a chain letter, and we did not send it to 10 other people. So, like, no, we were, so the we curse were is on us. We yeah. were punished sitting through this crap. And that actually reminds me, there was a guy came out with a, a, a the big bearded guy who was at Cineworld, where I go to. If you're listening, by any chance, and, you, and you're the one who said, what a load of crap when you came out thank you you've echoed you've said what john and i've just said for 10 minutes in a more succinct way but yeah it's i put in my review which i haven't put out yet that this is an exercise in negative restraint because it doesn't dare to challenge the audience it doesn't deliver those moments of tension it just falls back on safety it falls back on cliche and convention it's restraint but it's in a negative way so if you like 
uh, horror movies that are bad, not not so bad they're good. They're just not really very good. It is one of the most forgettable films I've seen all year. Is this? It's one of the worst films I've seen all year, and that's not something I take pride in saying because obviously people worked hard on this film, but it ain't great, like John yeah. said. So, John, do you have anything else non-spoilery to say before we move on? No, sir, I, I'm I'm good. And again, I agree with what you just said too. Um, a podcast that I love, Slash Film, or they used to be Slash Film, now they're just the film cast. Um, at the end of every episode, they were just talking about this on their uh, Samaritan episode, actually, mm-hmm. um, that sometimes it might be taken as sarcasm, but at the end of every episode, no matter how they are reviewing a film, they always say, but at the end of the day, it's it's pretty impressive that they made a movie. And it can sound sarcastic, yeah. but it's also not. Like, it is true, true yeah. because making a movie is hard. So as easy as it is to look at the final product and us to, to rip it to shreds and say how obviously bad this is or whatever – it is hard and it is like the fact that you were able to get everybody in one place and film it and edit it and make it a movie that gets distribution. Cause think of all the movies we've seen that we like that don't get distribution. So a lot of work on it. And that's why I think we get so heated though, is because we've seen other movies that other people have never heard of that we think are like masterpieces. And then we see something like this where it gets a theatrical release and you're just like, wait, why didn't like, pray get a theatrical release and, and there is also a the balance release, but... that there'll be somebody out there who you know and you know for the fair play there'll be somebody out there who loves this film so that yeah, and, and right. he will speak with great praise and effusiveness about it which i don't begrudge anybody doing that so yeah it, 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 that's how i kind of balance it out of course yeah. there are times when people might go too far you or i may have even been can may even be guilty of that maybe jurassic world dominion example but yeah. that's just that comes from a place of passion, not pl- from a place of malice or maliciousness. And yeah, like you said, yeah. it's, it, to get a movie made in the first place is a hell of a job. So, you know, this one didn't this one just didn't work for us. And there'll be more that don't work for us this year. And there'll be plenty that do. It's just it's what we do, isn't it, John? It is what we do. And hopefully quite well. But let's move on now to our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Uh, and it's a section where we grab a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention and we uh, share it with each other and share it with all of you guys as well. So, John, what have you gone for this week? Well, I had a different one because the uh, Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey right, <laughs> uh, trailer right. dropped. And I was really hyped for that. Um, although the trailer, it looks it looks real bad to me. Like the Christopher Robin actor, his dialogue read is real bad. So I, I had that on here for a second. And then I was like, of course, what we need to talk about is important. Um, listeners, if you're listening to this before September 3rd and you live in the U S or it looks like a lot of the UK, um, it's national cinema day. And most of the big chain movie theaters are charging only $3 per ticket for any of their movies, whether it's IMAX or like the dining experience, any of those things, $3. And you can see as many movies that day as you're capable of seeing. So like, you don't have, it's not like one $3 ticket. You can buy $3 tickets for all the movies. Now, um, there's been some debate, uh, slash film also, or sorry, they're not slash film. They're the film cast. They also talked about this. Um, but, uh, Jeff Kanata, who's one of the the guys on the podcast, I really liked his comparison to free comic book day. Um, Matt, do you, do you have that in the UK? We have, I I think we do. We have, we certainly have a comic book day of some sort. So a, a few years back, um, in an effort to get people to come back to comic book stores because comic book stores were dying, they yeah. started Free Comic Book Day, and they give tons of free titles away. They're not; it's not like all the books are free, but they have a bunch of books from all the different lines uh, 
available for free, usually specifically made for Free Comic Book Day, but sometimes they have other promotional stuff to get people in the stores and also to get people reading because maybe you pick up one you've never tried before, you read it, you like it, and now you'll buy the issues, you subscribe, and you start coming back to the shop. It was a really great and has been very successful, and they do it every year. I think it's in March. Jeff said maybe this is something that will become that for movie theaters, that once a year we'll have this day where ticket prices are, are reasonable. Um, I don't know if that alone is enough to save theaters, but uh, another article we could have talked about is uh, Cineworld um, in the U.S., which is Regal, is fi- potentially filing for bankruptcy. I haven't heard any follow-ups to that yet, so I don't know if they have gone through with it or if I they're could. holding off. And that doesn't mean they're closing, uh, folks. A lot of people just assume bankruptcy means that they're going to go out away. Yeah, a lot no. of businesses file for bankruptcy, and they just get money to help stay up for long enough to uh, to keep running. So it doesn't mean they're gone, but it's not a good sign, right? A business filing for oh, bankruptcy yeah. means that they're in severe debt and they're not, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get out of debt with just staying under the current operating procedures. Yeah, so it's not a great sign. And we've, we've heard, like, if we were to look at just this past weekend's box office, which was one of the worst box offices all year, mm-hmm. um, I think it was worse than last year at the same time uh, because there were just more movies last year because stuff had gotten pushed back and released later. I think we've seen like the pipeline run out for movies that were on hold and then stuff that didn't get made now. So like there's a lot of a lot of thin weeks ahead for theaters. And like my local theater, which is a regal theater, um, I noticed today that during the week they're down to only shoot two showtimes per movie. They're doing like a four o'clock and a seven o'clock and that's it. And traditionally would have four like we have a like twelve one o'clock time, the four time, the seven and then a nine. Um, it's not a good sign that they've reduced down to two showtimes like that coupled with that bankruptcy news. My local one might just be closing, even though like the other ones may not be. I love going to the theater. Matt does too. That's what we talk about every week. And again, we always want you to be safe. You know, if COVID's an issue in your area, which it's an issue still in a lot of places, but a lot of us are vaccinated. A lot of us still take precautions. If you can go to the theater and we encourage you to do that because it's a great experience. It's something I had, I just absolutely, I've loved my whole life. Like yep. now 40 years in really 38 legitimate years. Cause I've been going to the theater since I was two years old. It is my favorite thing to do in the world this Saturday, $3 on September 3rd. Again, if you're listening to this on September 1st, when we're recording, or if you're listening on the second, but, or even if you're listening to it on the third, get up, go to the get theater. quick. Um, for example, I'm going to segue into this. I am so excited because this weekend, when this is happening, Jaws is being released in IMAX for the first time ever. And my wife and I have tickets at the biggest IMAX theater in the state. Um, It's a 45-minute drive or so, but we're going to make it a whole day. We have the 110 show. Like first, I literally was the first person to buy seats during this theater because they didn't have tickets on sale until they made this announcement on Sunday for the third because they knew that something was going down. Um, So I, I got two IMAX seats. Uh, I actually didn't pay $3. I actually got it for free because it's at a Regal. So I have my unlimited ticket um, and they didn't charge me the upcharge because of the $3 thing. And then uh, I had a, an extra free ticket on my pass. So I got my wife's ticket for free. And all I had to do was pay the like uh, dollar convenience fee on each ticket. So for $2, I got us two tickets to see Jaws in IMAX. Um, so I'm pretty stoked about that because that's usually like I would have had to pay the upcharge, which is probably like eight bucks. And then I would have paid a full price ticket for her, which would have been like 16 bucks. So 
I understand why a lot of times people don't go to the theater, but if it is money, if the money is the only thing stopping you, I don't think we're ever getting cheaper than $3 at a big chain theater, especially not for like an IMAX screening. And with Jaws being in theaters this weekend, folks, I just want to encourage you to go. Uh, Matt, when I first t- told you about this, it wasn't in the UK, but then Cineworld announced they were doing it there too. So uh, what, what, do you have any plans for Saturday? I certainly hope so. Cineworld, Odeon, View, all, all of the major chains over here are doing it, and I believe the independents are as well. And just to piggyback on what you're saying, John, as well, what, yeah, again, safety first, safety second, and obviously travel is another thing, but what better time to take your family to the cinema as well? For three yeah. pounds and or three dollars, both the same thing. A ticket. Uh, you could take a family of five for the price of almost one standard ticket. Um, yeah. And I know over here in the United Kingdom, they are putting on more kids' films as well, more family films, as well as what's coming out already, plus E.T., Jaws in IMAX over here too. So they are, for once, using their heads and thinking, well, how do we get more people into the, to the theatres? We could just play what's coming out this week, which, you know, kids aren't going to want to watch 3,000 Years of Longing. Instead, they're going to want to watch um, some of the other kids' films that have come out in recent years or stuff like The Bad Guys that have come out recently um, or Super Pets and things like that. So um, if you can do, I totally agree. To go, go, go as many people as you can in the safest way possible. Um, you know, I'm certainly yeah. hoping to go this weekend. Um, uh, Saturday evening's looking quite tempting for a trip to go and see something like Jaws. We we spoke about this last week and the idea of seeing that on the big screen, but not just at the biggest screen with the best sound. Come on. I, I want to hear Quince uh, scraping his nails down that blackboard. Oh, my goodness. In with the best sound all around me. I want to hear the, the him talking about the the uh his his comrades in the water as the sharks pick them off the monologue the he best, gets the best monologue in cinema history in it my is opinion. superb i want to hear um brody you're going to need a bigger boat I, all I, all of this i want to hear i want to see and i want to hear it smile your son about pew! come on who doesn't want to see jaws so i think that might give away what i'm going to go and see this weekend yes. um but yeah no i i agree it, it, these things don't come around very often these theater chains are um, lagging certainly Cineworld. Cineworld were very ambitious with their restructuring, with their expansion, with their redevelopment. Sadly, something called COVID hit. Now, nobody in their right mind would ever assume that we'd go into a global lockdown for best part of 18 months or 24. So Cineworld could have been, you know, in on top of the world now, had it not been for the pandemic, they would have been challenging for the number one chain in the world, I believe. But share price then was 180p currently it's almost it's just over 2p that is how far down they have the the stock and the trading has fallen so i certainly hope that they can strike a deal whether that's selling some of their premises or some of their actual operations in certain territories or or being bought out whatever it might be because like john said going to the theater is it's you know it's like going to church for some people it sounds silly but it is i mean i love going to i love walking to the theater i love going in there you know this you know what it's like john the smell of the place the the unique carpets they have there the popcorn overpriced but with our unlimited cards to get money off um sitting down in the in a communal screening with people as long as they're quiet watching a film best sound best picture quality and experiencing that and even if like the invitation the film itself isn't great it's still fun to go to the theater and yeah. that's never gonna that's never gonna and, die but as long as theaters don't along with it right and i don't know if you 
uh, or like in Cine World if it's the same, but I got a notification that um, with the unlimited card, uh, you get a $3 small popcorn on Saturday as well, um, only uh, for I unlimited members. Get, I think we do, yes. But my, I've also got, I think I've got a, a hot dog, a scoop of ice cream. Yeah, dude, August was crazy. Like yeah, you got it Every, too. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I was doing it for you. Yeah, I, 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 no offense to my local theater. I've I've gotten twice. I've had nachos because of that this yes. month. I had two free nachos, free popcorn. I refuse to eat the hot dog. Like I I just don't I don't I don't trust it, and I'm not doing it. Like the nachos, I was if the chips weren't in a bag, I would have been sketchy about the nachos too. But they come in a bag. I hear you. But man, the hot dog. I'm like, mm, how 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 clean is that hot dog machine? Like I, I mean, don't. I had a hot dog, so I feel awful now. <laughs> Well, but see, I said my local theater again. I I love the people there, but like there, there's not enough people coming to my theater. So like I'm like, how long has that hot dog been sitting there? You know what I'm saying? Like how long has that hot dog been sitting there? <laughs> yeah. No, I I I pulled a um a water white when because I went there and I've you know can I have the, can I have my usual please and you know, I could mix popcorn, large soda for our international listeners, large Pepsi, cherry, whatever. And the guy said, oh, you've got a free this, this, and this. Would you like them? You're goddamn right I want them. <laughs> I put my debit card away. And I, again, sadly, it was the invitation. But, uh, you know, I took some solace. I didn't pay for any of my uh, food or drink for yeah. the invitation. And I've they still were, got more to come. August, man, they hooked it up. Every time you saw a movie in August, they were giving you some kind of, like, bonus. And I was like, yeah. uh, I see a lot of movies. Are you sure? <laughs> I think it's something. Well, because it just started, well, they said only like, one at a time. But I thought, I yeah. should say can I, you know, can I just have a drink as well? And they're like, it's fine. And the supervisor's not around. I said, you're, you're a good one. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's our, our plea and what my article is. There's more details about it. Again, if you're listening to this after the third, I hope you didn't miss the $3 day, but it's still worth, you know, something to think about. Like, is this something we're going to see annually? Could this be a sign that maybe theaters will realize they need to lower the prices? Cause people mm-hmm. will pay stupid money for the popcorn, but it's like, if it's already $50 to get your kids into the movie, it's hard to drop another $20 on popcorn, lower the prices a little bit, just so, you know, people can come. Um, yep. Maybe it'll get people in the door. But then again, if nobody comes to this, why lower prices? You know, if they're not coming for $3, they're not coming at all. Although again, this isn't the best weekend for this. I wish there was like some big, you know, blockbuster dropping. We are getting Jaws back in theaters, the original blockbuster, but you know, that's what Cineworld world have been saying. They're saying that until black Panther two comes out, Wakanda forever, that it's kind of slim pickings at this, at the chain, which is why, you know, they've, they're, they're saying that this year there hadn't been as many blockbusters, which hasn't brought the people through the doors. But like you've just said i mean if you if you're offering if you even take a few pounds or a few bucks off your ticket price i think it's going to be more attractive to some people because they know they're going to pay a lot for the concessions when they get there that possibly turns people off as well you pay i don't know what it is but some chains over here can be you know 13 to 15 pounds just for a ticket and then you pay at least 10 maybe for a drink and something and a popcorn that's 25 pounds just for one person to go and watch a film i mean i mean you know it's it's not an attractive proposition I think the the one thing that we maybe don't take into consideration with streaming, um, even though there is ads on some of the streaming, um, it it does seem like without regular cable, marketing is is hurt because the number of people yeah. who don't even know that unlimited exists is high. Like the I have you know my film students, I talk about it all the time, and they still are just like, wait, you can you can see whatever you want. I'm like, yeah, it's called unlimited, guys, unlimited. Like I, if you go to the theater, you know about it because they bombard you with it at the theater. Yes. But if you if 
if you're not going to the theater because it's too much money, you don't know about the streamings, the equivalent. I mean, it's 18 bucks a month to go as many times as you want to see a, the movie in the theater. That's like incredible for some people, value. yeah, just getting out of the house for a day. Like if you're like, I can sit at home all day Saturday or I can go watch three movies for mm-hmm. n- no extra money. Most, a lot of people would do it, but if they don't know it's a thing, yeah, and I think that's hurt because I've never seen unlimited on like Hulu ad or on like Peacock's ad stuff. Um, I don't, I don't know if that maybe they won't advertise theaters or if theaters don't think to advertise on streaming services. But if there, if there are commercials, I, I haven't seen a regular, like I haven't watched TV on cable in like four or five years. So, you know, I, and I, I feel like that's a lot of people's lives. Now we stream things. Yeah. So, Hey, cinemas, if you're getting this from us, maybe try, a different method of marketing, maybe radio ads or something. You know, like there has to be maybe on a podcast. Check us out. We'll do it for you. Yeah. No, you're right. We don't have, they don't market over here either. I don't see it on, on the television, on TV adverts or the radio or on the side of buses or billboards. I don't see anything. And you know, you you don't even have to go three times in a day. You can go three times in a month and you've made your money back and more. And you're not paying for any for anything. Plus, you get to keep up to date with the latest films. You get to understand what the hell we're talking about when we're talking about some of the more obscure ones. And when I first got the card, I won't go on too much of a tangent, but the first time I got the unlimited card, I was I was watching films which ordinarily I wouldn't buy, which is what I've said about streaming. You know, if a, if a film was on streaming, yeah. I'm much more inclined to watch it because you know it's less of a financial sacrifice. But with unlimited, and you know, there were there were films I'd see which. I wouldn't pay for, you know, I'd be honest, I, I, I wouldn't pay for them. And I ended up really enjoying them and it opened my eyes more to what's out there and not just seeing the tentpole films of which, of which you know, you and I mostly enjoy all of those. But yeah, there's my a biggest regret. Yeah, my biggest regret this year is we had RRR at our theater only Man. for a week and I didn't go. I, I had plans to go, but it was like three hours. And I was like, I don't know if I can make it in. And then it, it was gone. And then I, when I saw it on Netflix, I was so mad that I missed it on the big screen. I would have loved to have sat in the theater and watched that. Um, but I could have. It was it was included with Unlimited, even though it was like a special screening thing. And our theater never gets movies like that, um, our local one. And here it was. Could have gone, didn't go, only because of time and stuff. But, man, I, I it was included. So, like, uh, not... We're not being paid by Regal, I promise. And we both happen to be using... I'm using Regal. He's using Cineworld. Same company overall. But... I had the AMC uh, A-list before Regal Unlimited started. I had to drive 45 minutes, um, but even that was great. And going back a little further, Movie Pass was a thing. It was it was insane. $10 a month unlimited. We'll never get that again. That was stupid. It shouldn't have existed the way it did. That's why it, it went away. We're getting some new version of it. It's a little sketchy. Who knows if it's going to be good or not. I'm going to try it out, uh, possibly. I'm on the, the wait list, at least. Um but, you know, there's stuff out there, guys, and if you are like us, and you must be, if you're listening to us rant about it for 35 minutes, uh, you know, take advantage of those those opportunities. Again, you were paying, what, 10 bucks a month for Netflix? Now it's almost up to 15 I think, for Netflix. Hulu, all those things. You're stuck in your house, and yes, it's convenient. There's way more stuff, for sure. But maybe 18 bucks a month to be able to go to a theater, sit down, enjoy it on the big screen the way most of our filmmakers intend their movies to be seen you know like the a lot the movies that you're seeing in theaters are generally made for large scale format do do it justice 
All right, enough off the soapbox. Matt, let's get to your article because we went a little long on mine. Matt, are you there? I am there. My microphone was on mute. So thank you, everyone, Uh for listening. I was talking back to you as well. And I thought, I thought I remember thinking that's a really good point. And then it turns out my microphone was on mute. So, um, but no, um, it was a perfect segue into what I'm going to talk about. And that is uh, a film coming out this month in September. A little film you, you might have heard of now. And it's called Don't Worry, Darling. The headline is from Entertainment Weekly. It's an article by Joey Nolfi. The headline reads, Shia LaBeouf says Olivia Wilde didn't fire him from Don't Worry, Darling. Quote, I quit. Quote. Uh, And this has come off the back of further controversy surrounding this film, which is due to be released in a few weeks' time. There was already existing controversy surrounding Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles, um, the relationship with Florence Pugh on set and how much Florence Pugh actually did compared to Olivia Wilde, which seems to be three or four told. Um, but it came, you know, Olivia Wilde did an interview recently and she said that you know, she gave a very nuanced um, description of how uh, Shia LaBeouf was asked to leave the set of Don't Worry Darling. He was fired because of combative energy. You know, his energy wasn't vibing with what they wanted, this, that and the other. Basically, in a nutshell, he was asked to leave the production. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, however, who's not exactly shy and retiring himself and he's going through an awful lot of allegations and finger pointing at the minute of which i'm not going to go anywhere near um but he said in an email which he sent to olivia wild he's he's he basically passed it to the trade and said here you go guys here's the emails i sent here's some videos um and he also put you know i'm a little confused about the narrative that i was fired and he called the use of his name attractive clickbait saying you and i both know the reasons for my exit i quit your film because of your actors and i couldn't find the time to rehearse Firing me never took place, Olivia. And while I fully understand the attractiveness of pushing that story because of the social landscape currently, the social currency that brings, it is not the truth. So I am humbly asking as a person with an eye towards making things right that you correct the narrative as best you can. I hope none of this negatively affects you and that your film is successful in all the ways that you want it to be. Uh, It came, a lot of this has now stemmed from Olivia Wilde putting out a video where she was reportedly, well, not reportedly, she was, you know, saying to Shia, come on, you know, we'll sort this out. Miss Flo, you know, we'll sort her out. You know, we'll, we'll get, we'll sort her behaviours out and her motivations. I mean, we, you and I can make this great. And that didn't do well at all. And um, Olivia Wilde has, also, has come out again today, uh, Rich as well, and said, starring in, I won't say the word, but starring in crappy movies has made me a better filmmaker. And, this the list the, this I, i've got to admit now my friend this this kind of olivia wilde self uh congratulation tour is nauseating now yeah it's really you know we, it started off with the being served on stage which was taken mm-hmm. as a direct you know hit at jason today because he didn't, he didn't he didn't tell him to do it it's just you know yeah you're going to avoid being served they'll get you where they can so they did to the behaviors on set with this film to this allegedly lying about firing shia LaBeouf, and he's now come back and said you can say that, but I've got all the evidence to say you didn't do that. And now coming out and basically body slamming all of the other directors and actors she's worked with and called their films, you know, the other word, crap, she didn't say that word, uh, and elevated herself because of it. She's, it's in my eyes, my friend, she's not helping this situation. It's very much, it's a very sad um, scene because Booksmart was such a good film. 
books about mm-hmm. her directorial debut were excellent. We, you and I both loved that film. And yep. don't worry, darling. The thing, the the trailer looks okay. We saw that clip, that out of context clip with Harry Styles shouting at Florence Pugh, and w- without mincing words, it looks it looked didn't look very good. You know, that's you know, Harry Styles didn't look great in that scene, but it wasn't in context of the film. I, you know, I'm mature enough to realise that in, in it, when we watched the film, that could fit in perfectly. But there is now I, I, Olivia Wilde seems to be kind of digging holes for herself and. I'm not going to don't want to comment necessarily too much on her person uh, personality or person uh, because I respect any filmmakers. However, this news came out of nowhere. It sort of caused a storm last week, and as we mentioned, Shia Burf has got enough on his plate, and he's not exactly uh, public, you know, the rose of the public eye. So it's you're kind of like, well, you know, yeah, he's got a point, but he's still a gimp, you know, and she doesn't look very good coming out of this, and everything else going around. Don't worry, darling you kind of hope that this film is fabulous. Otherwise it's yeah. going to be hit with such negative reaction. And it has dimmed my excitement for the film somewhat, you know, this, the press tour, which seems to be deflecting more from the actual film. Um, and obviously, and, and talk and Florence Pugh coming out, talking about the sexualization of her and on set and that it doesn't sound like a good production. And I don't know if starring in those crappy films really did help Olivia Wilde's filmmaking too much, but if the film comes out in his, and it's fantastic, then I'll happily sit here and say, what a great film, what a well-directed film, but everything around it, John, it's making me a bit queasy. I'm not going to you know, lie about that. Uh, what do you think when you saw, when you first heard that he'd been fired and then he, his retort back and this whole situation? I, I had, I, uh, I, Shia's career has been wild, right? Like in general, it's been up and down. He's been a, like, I yeah. think his claim that his name is clickbait is very fair. Um, Part of that was self-design, right? I think a lot of the stuff, some of the weird like things when he watched his own movies and when he was wearing the bag on his head that he's not a celebrity, some of that he kind of made his persona that. And we saw yeah. a resurgence with uh, Peanut Butter Falcon and um, Honey Boy, which apparently that's mm-hmm. where some of the, the drama stems from. But yeah, um, I didn't, I, on my TikTok feed, I have seen uh, John Bernthal has a podcast, um, yes. which I didn't know. And uh, Shia was, I guess, just on it recently. And he and Shia worked together briefly on Peanut Butter Falcon. Like, John Berthal plays his brother, who's only in some flashbacks in the film. Um, and I don't know if they'd worked elsewhere together, but they are definitely... They, they must have met there. They have a couple of scenes together. And, uh, you know, Shia seems, as he's known to be, very candid. He seems to be very open about talking with... Especially with Berthal about the struggles and the accusations... Uh, more so than what I just read in that article, where it sounds like he's been accused of denying a lot of the accusations. From what I heard on the podcast, slightly out of context, it sounded like they were addressing some of the accusations. Um, I've only ever heard like, him be honest about them, which, again, it's not to, I'm not going to say, well done, Shire, for admitting that you, you know, you abused your yeah. ex-girlfriend and that. But if, I've always heard him come out and say, yep, I, I did it. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest. I did do it. Yeah. I've never really heard him it deny sounds- it. It doesn't make it right, though. No, it doesn't. And it's, but it does sound like he is trying to get help. Like that has been a theme throughout the last five years of his career that he's made mistakes and we've seen him trying to like course correct a little bit. Um, at least more so than he was in like the early 2010 era, right? Like there he was like embracing the weird. Now it seems like he's trying, like I'm messed up. I'm trying to work on things. Even like the honey boy information has come out that, uh, a lot of the stuff about his dad being abusive was inaccurate and not at all, 
a true representation of his father, which is big to admit. But at the same time, you still made a movie about it. So it's like, maybe you should have admitted it before you made it into a movie. But what the nevertheless, film was based on, wasn't it? That kind of personal, yeah, but that biographical side of it, which now isn't necessarily true. Yeah, it definitely makes you re- reevaluate what the film is saying. Like, is that just from his yeah. perspective? Like, as a jaded teenager, you thought your parent was being abusive and that's how you wrote the script? Or are you just making it up completely? Either way, um, I am I'm excited for this film, but mostly because I do love Florence Pugh. And uh, some of the trailers, I think, really sell, like, the tension. And the it's got the Stepford, Stepford Wives vibe, for sure. Um which it would make sense for a remake of that story at this point, you know, 20 years, I think since the, uh, the last version of it, even though this is not a direct remake, it does have that vibe. And, you know, Pew is such a tremendously talented actress. I've yet to see a movie with it where she is not winning me over and making me enjoy the film. So I have hopes. Uh, And like you said, book smart, so good, but uh, yeah, everything right now, it does, it does feel it feels real messed up. And the fact that Pew isn't promoting this movie only seems to cement that. Uh, yeah, she's the, the, the studio have said this is because she's working on Dune part two, but I kind of believe that there's, there are breaks in the film and there could have been time to promote the film or do, or do interviews or whatever. I, mean, I she's think it's pretty volume. present on social media too. Like, and I, like, yeah, yeah. she's not posting stuff. So yeah, no. So, um, Hey, look, if the film's great, the film's great. And I hope it is. You know, because like I say, Florence Pugh is a supreme actress. She's one of the best working actresses out there at the minute. Um, and I hope the film does well. I've got nothing against Harry Styles. I'd like to see him succeed as well. Um, yeah, I, I actually like British talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's got uh, My Policeman coming out. Uh, he's obviously in the MCU and whatever else he's got coming. So the future's and bright entertaining. And, and his, you know, he's he's called a rock star. He's, you know, he's got he's got a few financial avenues for which to fill his already massive yeah. bank account. But uh, no, I I hope don't worry, darling, is good. But I, I won't lie, the kind of the outside furor is is dimming those lights somewhat. But um, well, let's move on then, my friend, to the uh, penultimate segment, media consumption, and this is where we share the movies, streaming series, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours whatever we've been consuming to pass the time since the last episode. John, what you been doing? I have watched uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, the second of the Roger Moore Bonds, mm-hmm. and uh, Spartacus, um, because Man. of Blank Check Podcast. Um, Spartacus was a two-day ordeal, because it's three hours long. Um, I watched an hour and a half, stopped at intermission, took a full day off, um, came back to it. Uh, it's I've only not seen two Kubrick films. That was one of them. Well, now... Sorry, when they started Kubrick, I had not seen his first two films, uh, which I don't even remember the names of because it's it's pre The Killing. Um, and I had not seen Spartacus, and I've still not seen Barry Lyndon. So I've got one Kubrick film left one to watch. To go. What did you and think of Spartacus? I liked it uh, quite a bit. I mean, there's there's definitely some problematic 60s stuff with it. Um, you know, some of the I think some of the casting is is like, well, maybe we wouldn't do that now. Um and it's it's a bit talky, but I I like talky. Um, I I didn't like it's not. I don't know that I'll sit through it again. Kind of movie, you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't like yeah. floored and amazed by it, but I I did enjoy it. Um, I for me, it's the historical significance of the film. I was really expecting the I am Spartacus to be the end of the movie, and it's it's not. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's it's a iconic line. I know it most because of Tom Hanks's film That Thing You Do and uh, ah, Shades 
he likes to say, uh, he, I am Spartacus. And it's like a recurring thing for his character. He says it many times throughout the film. And I knew it was, it had to be a reference to this movie. Uh, and it definitely is. Um, although I don't know that he's using it contextually, right? Cause he doesn't really Spartacus <laughs> never says that line. You know what I'm saying? Like Spartacus isn't like, well, I did this because I am Spartacus. The other slaves say I am Spartacus to save him, you know? So it's like yeah. contextually, I don't think he got what happened, but, <laughs> Um, I did in, uh, I did, it was like, finally, oh, finally, I get to check this, uh, historical film off the list. And, um, I, I, you know, I do like it though, but it's long. It's very, very long. Yes. Um, it did make me want to rewatch Hail Caesar because Hail Caesar's totally skewering the studio system, making the, the big biblical epics at the time. Cause you also get Ben Hur, which I still haven't watched. Um, and they, they're a little bit much like they go pretty pretty epic and unnecessarily so it's one of those great examples of studios misinterpreting what crowds want with a way a movie did like a movie overperforms, and they're like oh they must want longer movies and so then it just became a thing um they do that all the time it's like dc and the superhero thing oh they like dark and gritty movies well we'll just make all of our characters dark and gritty and then you get the snyderverse you know like studios Stop overreading. Sometimes we just like stuff. We don't always have to like the same thing over and over again. But um, Man with the Golden Gun. Matt. Matt. Here we go. The worst part of the previous James Bond movie that I cannot remember the name of for, to save my life. Uh, uh, but the first Roger Moore film. The name's going to escape me. It had a Louisiana sheriff that was very much a boss hog type character that i thought was ridiculous so when i go into (laughs) the man with the golden gun with christopher lee as the titular character there um who is great in the movie i was not expecting to see the return of the louisiana sheriff in another bond movie but sure enough there he was was. could not believe it um was jaw dropped now at first the first time he showed up i'm like oh it's just a throwaway gag fine but then he comes back, and I could not believe that it happened. Because I'm like, there's not a lot of recurring characters in the Bond franchise that aren't, like, staple characters at this point. Like QM, uh, the CIA guy who's who's played by uh, Jeffrey Wright, but I don't remember his name. Felix? Mm-hmm. Um, Felix. I did remember his name. Uh, M- Money Penny. Like, you have those staple characters. At some point, apparently, I think his name's Cherry Pepper or something. It was almost one of those characters because he's in at least two of these movies. I haven't seen the rest yet. I can't imagine he's in them, but my God, if he shows up again, I'm going to lose my mind. So you're enjoying if this he's water, not like you, Bond. Yeah, if he's like on Moonraker, I will. I will actually enjoy that. I'd love to see Boss Hog on the moon. Anyways, um, also caught three thousand years of longing. I'm looking forward to hearing what you thought about it. And then I went back a bit, and I I caught Lay Samurai, um which I don't remember exactly what made me like really zero in on that one, but I've, it's been like just in my periphery. And I was like, I'm going to watch this uh, on HBO max. It is part of the criterion collection, but HBO max has the TCM stuff. So they have a lot of criterion movies on there. Um, I didn't know much about it. I've seen it pop up on some things recently. Uh, I really liked it. It did take me two nights, but only because I've just been really exhausted. So like I was almost done, but I was like falling asleep with like 40 minutes left. I'm like, I got to stop. I'll finish this tomorrow. And I did. Um, 
I then watched a couple of videos where they compare it to uh, Drive um, and also huh. The Driver from the 70s, which I've never seen, but uh, now I kind of want to watch because of the connection to those two films. And then also that Lay Samurai's character is uh, the inspiration for Taxi Driver, which I did not know, um, but totally makes sense. And um, I, have you seen Lay Samurai? No, I haven't, no. So it, it's a French film, and um, I forget the director's name, but it is. Uh, it's not. It's not a samurai movie, so don't let the name confuse you. He, he's like he's a hitman. He has like a fedora and a raincoat. Um, very interesting film. Uh, it reminded me though immediately because it opens with the book of the samurai like uh, text, and I was like, oh my goodness, is this Jarmusch's inspiration for Ghost Dog? And I did find an article where they do another person also picked up on that that it. Ghost Dog definitely seems to borrow some from this, but it's not as bleak of a movie as this, but there's definitely some parallels. Um, mm-hmm. Except the big difference is this character never thinks of himself as a samurai, where Ghost Dog, he's very much a samurai in his mind, out of place, because uh, he's living in like modern day at the time. But um, I'm a big fan of Jarmusch, and I really love Ghost Dog a whole lot, so I was excited when I first picked up on it. I was like, ooh, is this going to be like, am I going to see like a French version of Ghost Dog? Like, obviously, inspiration for because it's, like, 20 20 or 30 years apart. But um, it's not. But there's definitely some parallels. And, uh, yeah, I I definitely liked it. I don't know that everyone will. It's a little – I wouldn't say it's slow, but the pacing, there's a lot of quiet sequences. Some really cool camera work, though. And some uh, – there's a chase sequence that I think I felt went a little long, but it it does pay off pretty well. Um. And then I watched, uh, I haven't seen the newest episode of She-Hulk, which is episode three, but I did watch episode two. Um, I'm liking the show more than some people. Um, I'm, I'm ho- I've am i heard three and four are real good, so I'm looking forward to checking those out. And then uh, What We Do in the Shadows just continues to be such an incredibly great show. There is, uh, actually, I don't want to spoil anything, but the most recent episode, uh, I don't know what number, I think it's nine, episode nine, uh, Jim Jarmusch and Sofia Coppola make cameos as themselves and i really enjoyed that because i'm a big again big jim jarmusch fan so like i for me i'm watching it going most people will not know who that is (laughs) but as soon as i saw him like is that jim jarmusch and then he was just being jim jarmusch i'm like i i love that they have him as a cameo like that's got to be a taika thing like for sure i imagine um i'm huge jim jarmusch fan so seeing him on a, a show that i have watched I think three or four. I don't remember if it's season four right now or season three, but I've watched every episode. I love this show. Seeing him on the episode really got a laugh out of me that, again, I think a lot of people won't care. But personally, I, it was a big thing for me. Uh, what have you been watching, Matt? Uh, well, those in the know will certainly know who those guys are. Uh, I watched She-Hulk episode two. Anything is fine. Again, I, I'm not, it hasn't grabbed me just yet. I get what the show's going for more so now. Uh, like we said after episode one, that yeah, episode one was... Uh, an interesting start, but let's wait to see where it goes. I I get more now where they're going. Um, still not particularly vibing overall. Uh, I haven't seen episode three. I've seen the post credit stinger because it's all over Twitter. It's all over oh. the internet. You can't miss it. It's you know it's it, it's uh, it's it. fun. <laughs> A lot of people are very upset about it, John, and you and you can imagine what kind of people are very upset when you know what it involves. It's you know it's a, it, is it a bit daft? Yes, it, but it's light hearted, like the the show itself. It's light hearted fun. It's uh, it's not the end of the world. It's just a you know a throwaway cutscene which is intended for a bit of fun. But uh, you know sometimes you can't have fun on the internet, John. 
Um, so I've seen that. I've listened to the Dead Meat podcast where they covered Orphan First Kill uh, and they were more generous than we were about the film. Uh, though agreeing that it wasn't, or one of them at least agreed, that it wasn't as good as the first film, which to some isn't saying much. I quite enjoyed the first film. But first kill, I think they were slightly more up on it. I thought it was slightly more clever than, than I did and disagreed with a lot of the criticisms I had about first kill, uh, such as, you know, why are they making Esther sympathetic or why are they trying to get us aside with a psychotic killer? Uh, I think the film is absolutely doing that. Uh, but that's just me. So I listened to that. I've listened to a few other shows, but mainly that one. Uh, I have watched, in preparation for a few shows, I've watched Dune, the Denis Villeneuve classic, sci-fi classic, the new one. Certainly not the Lynch one. Uh, and Can You Ever Forgive Me? The Mario Heller, uh, Melissa McCarthy, oh, Richard E. Grant flick from a few years back. Good I movie. very much enjoy that film. Uh, in terms of new films, though, uh, John Burke, I've watched They Slash Them. Now I have to call it that because that's what it's stylized as. And also when you when I look when I say it like that, it's a clever title, They Slash Them. The LGBTQ plus horror from Blumhouse, which stars Kevin Bacon, and it's one of the worst films I've seen all year. Uh generally as I, and I'm talking and I'm coming at this from a horror movie angle. I think the fact that they've got gay lesbian trans non-binary actors uh portraying them so you know, characterizing themselves in this film is a huge step is a huge step you know and the way they are portrayed in the film is a very very much a step forward for for film for contemporary filmmaking and for the lgbtq plus community the film however is crap the film genuinely is just muddled it does not know what it wants to be whether it wants to be uh, a, f- a theme a, f- a film that's full of themes and messages all of it wants to be a slasher thriller because it's neither it's very talky there is n- there there are no moments of horror in this film uh, apart from mm. the ending which is also quite a contentious ending it's i was a little bit surprised at the way the ending went in terms of thematically what what is this actually saying about we watch the film and you'll see um so the performances are fine. You know, Kevin Bacon also kind of bestows some presence on it and some experience in his role. But it's just not, it's not a particularly good looking film in terms of its uh, presentation. It's certainly not a an exciting film. And I found myself bored during it and I wanted more. I went in knowing though that it had not been well received and, it's, and also by members of the community as well who, uh, were, who embraced the fact that you know, they were now being seen and being the front and centre more so. But this film wasn't the one to put them front and centre. I'm so glad that the LGBTQ plus community is now having opportunities to actually you know, showcase their talents and not being played by Scarlett Johansson or someone. But um, it, this wasn't a film for it. It's a, it's a lazily constructed film. It's not a good horror film whatsoever. So from my horror points, from an actual film standpoint, did they slash them is is not very good whatsoever i did not have fun with that film whatsoever um a film i had a bit more fun with was one called mrs harris goes to paris starring leslie manville it's a very it felt like a film we'd watch for movie astrology from like the 60s uh, it's a uh, mm. it's about a woman who is uh she is seduced by a christian dior dress and you know she's she kind of looks at her own clock and she think well you know, at the age I'm at now, I, you know, I want to have some fun. I want to go to Paris and I want to get one of these dresses. And, you know, fate 
have fate kind of falls into place where she's able to do so and then the film becomes more it film comes about kind of organizing labor unions and uh finding love you know young and old and you know, all this kind of stuff. It's, a, it's a feel-good film it's very much like a film you get from the 60s uh leslie manfield plays it that way she's very good in it it's it's a bit too saturine and sweet for my taste which is why i couldn't rate it high i think i gave it a seven out of ten because it's a nice film but it's a bit it got a bit too much for me uh the further we went on but it's you know mrs harris goes to paris it's a it's a it's a nice film so if you like a throwback film to the sort of the days of the 60s i think you're really going to enjoy this film and the final film i watched was one that john burke mentioned earlier on that we could have covered for this week and it probably would have been better than the invitation and it's the sylvester stallone superhero flick from uh amazon studios called samaritan uh, that dropped last Friday. Uh, I sat down in the morning to watch that. And, oh, John, I'm not having a good week with films. It's not good. Yeah. It isn't yeah. good. I, I I wanted to like it because it, it seemed like it was going to be, and I know a lot of people are saying this is not a hot take, but it seemed like we're going to get a kind of an, an interesting or different take on the genre. Uh, but we didn't. It, 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 it wasn't that whatsoever. Sylvester Stallone, he's... He's game, you know, he's up He's up for the task. He certainly can't save it. I think the kid actor is passable. The twist, if you, again, I'm not going to give it away, but the twist, is you'll, find, you'll, you'll get it in the first five or ten minutes. And then the rest yeah. of the film just unravels from then on. And the action isn't very good. It's not an exciting film. It looks grubby and horrible. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, disappointing is the word, John. Did, did uh, It's not on your list. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I did listen to the whole episode of uh, the film cast, uh, knowing mm. that they would get into spoilers. And I was just like, yeah, between you, Sean, and then I looked at what their ratings were before I listened to the episode. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to waste my time with it. Um, yeah. And I, I I won't say, like, at this point, it's one of those things where I've seen so many comic book movies. I kind of like, well, maybe I should just suffer through it, but I probably won't. <laughs> I probably won't get to it. Um, I did almost watch it the other night. Like I was debating what to watch. I ended up doing Lay Samurai instead. I think that was the right call. But I think you're right. It's it's a shame. I, I wanted it to be better, but it's like we've been saying for the last few years. It's on streaming. I was able to sit on my bed and watch it, and I don't feel like I lost anything apart from an hour or so uh, from from doing it. But I, I wish it had been better. It should have been better. Alas, John, it wasn't. So I put out a post on my Instagram the other day, which pleading please let me watch a good film soon because the last five or six i really haven't enjoyed in varying levels some have been better than others like beast didn't hate beast but i, I, I want a film which just grabs me and it says you're going to enjoy this maybe the next one we yep. watch will be that one John. Mm. so um i, I want you know what i want i want that bloody awesome feeling i want that feeling of being I... bloody awesome which you and i can bring every week but to do that we have to come up with new and innovative ways to fill up the bloody awesome meter. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? So, I have said foreign films, and I mentioned Lay Samurai, but one I didn't want mention, I usually don't put this in my uh, my media consumption, is what I teach. And for my IB film class uh, and Film 3 Honors, I want to shout out both, mm-hmm. um, we watched, uh, we, we talked Italian neorealism, and then I showed them The Bicycle Thieves. And that's a movie I've seen a few times now. Um, and every time I watch it, I appreciate it all the more. Have you seen Bicycle Thieves? I have not, no. Really? That's a big gap for you, my friend. No, I'm a little surprised. Seen it, man, yeah. um, so it, it's it's so good. And uh, the thing that I loved about it, um, 
what with watching it with them it, it's it's 86 minutes so we were actually able to watch it in one class period which is not always the case a lot of times i have to break it up or like i will i'll end up talking more at the beginning of class than i mean to so like we'll have to carry it over and i was really adamant i wanted this one sitting i wanted it in uh this one session and so um not to spoil it and i won't say how it ends but it, it does end on a down note it, it, if you're not familiar with the the movement of italian neorealism it's right after world war ii uh, Italy's in essentially a depression and the filmmakers start um, and they have no studios. They have nowhere to make movies. So they go to the streets and they start telling stories about the world they're living in fictional narrative stories. These aren't documentaries, but they are holding a mirror up to society very much like filmmakers, Sean Baker and Chloe Zhao are doing right now here in the States with their films, Tangerine, uh, the writer. Um, and of course the Florida project, the movie I adore. And uh, so when the movie ended, my students were were like, wait, what? That's how it ends? I'm like, yeah, sometimes life isn't happy, guys. And yeah. I could see on their faces, they were just like, but I'm like, I know. It's it's <laughs> it's sad. And if you're not familiar with the premise of this, uh, the, the if you summarize this down to like a IMDb synopsis, it's basically a man's bike is stolen and he tries to find the thieves who stole it. That's essentially the movie. But it's the stakes that are involved with that bike being gone that his whole life is in jeopardy, essentially. And I won't get into anything, but it's it's a depression. People need what they have. And um, it's it's a really, really well-made movie. Uh, uh, mostly non-actors at the time. A terrific performance from the young man. There's a kid named Bruno. I, I love the kid. I think he does a terrific job in this film. It's not always the case with young actors, but even that kind of uh, reflects in, in Florida Project with Brooklyn Prince's performance. Um, really, really recommend people check out Bicycle Thieves. But uh, getting to, to, you know, I, a room full of people who have mixed feelings about old movies, mixed feelings about foreign films, um, and having to read subtitles. Uh, being able to get them not only took to, none of them put their head down all of them watched the movie i did provide popcorn yeah. for them that day um but they they again when it was over i could tell they i mean some of them were upset but they were upset because they were invested in the movie not upset like that they watched the movie you know what i mean and uh we're going to talk more about it tomorrow actually but that's you know um one of the reasons why i watched lay samurai this week is i i I know a lot of my gaps are foreign films and it's something I'm actively trying to get better at. Um, and I keep trying to do, uh, so, you know, that's what my bloody awesome is this week. What about you, my friend? Um, well, mine also involves sitting in a dark room with subtitles on watching an old film with a lot of people. So as it turns out, um, yeah, my one is this week over on, uh, star Wars sessions. We put on, uh, a, an event in London which was called the Super Star Wars Night. In fact, my co-host Luke was the one who did 99% of the work. It was his baby, which I was more than courteous enough to shout out on the night. Um, that was his baby and he did one hell of a job sorting it out. But basically we we uh, hired out a cinema, uh, an old cinema for the night. Um, by old, it was a, a very nice, modern, contemporary old cinema. It was a fantastic cinema. The Genesis Cinema in East London, for those wanting to know. Hired that out. Uh, we did a quick live show for about 25 minutes, a live pod, uh, with including a Star Wars quiz on stage, the Empire Strikes Back quiz, which I came up with the questions for, and they were brutal. And and then we then, then the, the guys behind the bar pr- prior to the night made us a special cocktail, and the Echo Base, uh-huh. named after the, the Rebels base on Hoth, of course. Um, 
And but yeah, but, but we just got lots of people coming to watch the film. Over a hundred people were there. So one, one guy came from Kansas, Kansas City, just to watch the wow. film with us. Uh, people coming from uh, some from Austria, from Wales, from the north of England, from all you know, it was really, really, um, really pleasant and really humbling experience. But we were there because we wanted to watch The Empire Strikes Back and celebrate Star Wars, John. We, you know, n- none of the discourse surrounding the film or the fran- the new films or the franchise or anything like that, you know, it's people coming together to watch a classic film and have a very good time doing it. So uh, that was fun. That was um, that was a great time. And as usual, you kind of like, like John knows, you know, in the days before you get that kind of like that anxiety in his stomach of, oh man, I've crossed, I've got to go and you've got to do this big public thing. But once you get there, it's a lot of fun. The only thing it was missing was a, a it was a John book sized hole yeah. a void there but you know maybe one day but um yeah that was a lot of fun you know getting to watch star wars with like-minded people friends listeners we're well, all friends now family as well uh yeah it doesn't really get much better than that especially if you like the empire strikes back which i think most people seem to john so uh that was my bloody awesome way of staying bloody awesome this week but um sorry to say guys and i and i say this with a heavy heart that's it for this week's episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, our non-spoiler review of The Invitation. Uh, if, you ha- if it hasn't already dropped, the spoiler review will be out in a few days, so check that one out. It's always a lot shorter, 10, 15, 20 minutes tops for a spoiler review, so listen to it on the toilet or on your commute. You'll love it. Uh, next week, we're going to be back with a uh, reviews of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. That's coming next week, so if you get a chance to watch it beforehand, please do, and you can come and hear us talking about it but if you want to tell us what you thought about our opinions the show or the invitation you can find us on social media go to twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast john where are we on instagram bloody awesome movie pod yes on facebook slash meta if you search bloody awesome movie podcast you'll find us there if you want to find me online what i watch tonight.co.uk and just search for what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd. John, where are you? I am at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And in everybody's dreams, I hope. If you like what you were doing here, please do consider leaving us a five-star review and rating on your podcast provider of choice, which is also now including Spotify. It helps us up the algorithm and gets more film fans in. Uh, and that's what we're here for. You want more and more people to hear our opinions because then we have more and more people to chat about our opinions with outside of the show. So we would be very grateful if you could spare us 20 seconds. But with that, as always, guys, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blah, 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 blah.